So welcome to Thrive, your agency resource. Joining me today from London is the founder of Caffeine Club, Charlotte Ellis Maldari. She specializes in revenue growth for design businesses, actually ambitious design businesses. <laughs> we'll be talking about selling creative services with confidence, which is where that ambition comes from. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. So you work predominantly with creative leaders, just like I do. And you have a a whole understanding about the self-limiting beliefs that a lot of creative leaders have because they are typically practitioners that come from larger agencies and they're now out on their own. What are some of the things that you've noticed in terms of um, where those fears come from and what what the the self-limiting beliefs and fears are actually all about versus what they think uh, they might be about? So typically, as you said, I work with founders, partners, um, and directors within um, design, predominantly design businesses and predominantly between two and 10. There's a number of clients who are a lot bigger than that, but that's that's a typical kind of range. And generally what happens is they're founded by, which won't come as a surprise to you, uh, a creative who's broken away from a bigger agency or a more established agency. They've been very used to uh, being highly protected with inside a design environment, uh, having very little client exposure sometimes, not even that much exposure to the account management team, as we call it in the UK, so client services. Um, and then they go off on their own and they think they're going to have more time to spend on design and actually they end up being the rainmaker, the HR person, the operations person. And sometimes that can lead to a lack of confidence about what the creative output of the studio is. The the other common thing that I see a lot is, uh, particularly when an agency has emerged as a breakaway from another agency, is this kind of sense of really caring about what their peers think, valuing that way more than they would care what their prospects think, which is when we get into danger territory for me, because revenue growth does not come from pleasing your peers. It comes from demonstrating to your uh, prospects that you can uh, deliver a return on investment for them and your the right support to be using right, for their business. Right. Yeah, and it is such a self-limiting belief, right? As soon as we start comparing ourselves to someone else in our industry um, or outside of our industry for that matter, it's a slippery slope, right? Because you're, you're never actually going to feel quote-unquote good enough. And then that impacts your ability to develop new business. And I think a lot of people don't actually make that connection. So I'm, I'm super happy that we're, we're kind of bringing <laughs> that up again. I mean, not that, I mean, the, the, my audience is, is used to be kind of, uh, you know, making that, uh, creating that through line. But I think it's one of those things that we just have to keep repeating over and over again, because it's so true and it's so important. Um, but for those people, like along those lines, for those people who are running smaller design or creative or development agencies, um, who have this idea that, you know, they're a failure unless they have a, a higher employee headcount or a high annual revenue growth number, right? Um, if they feel like that, what are some of the things that they may not be considering that if they were running a larger agency, they may have to be dealing with? Well, I think there's this so many silver linings in this area and being part of a smaller agency I'd say the number one coming back to that mindset and that self-limiting belief about caring 
more about what your peers think than what your prospects think. I typically find when I work with clients who've started agencies more recently, so say within the last five years, Mm -hmm. they can break those habits more easily. They can identify them and then start to break them down. A little bit more self-aware maybe. Yeah, more self-aware and just less stubborn about it uh, <laughs> being something that they can combat. Whereas the people who've been in business for a long time and have, have plateaued from a revenue perspective and don't understand why, because in their opinion and actually in their prospect, in their client's opinion, their output of their studio is amazing and they're a massive um, support to those brands that they're working with. So they don't understand why they can't generate more and more new business. And it tends to be because they're limiting their output in terms of marketing and new business because uh, they're scared about what their peers think and they just can't break that down. So I think, you know, coming back to that point, I think, um, you know, just being able to break out of that cycle, being aware of it and being able to break out of it sooner, that's a hugely powerful thing about being a smaller agency. But equally, you know, agility to serve many multiple different markets in a year. I mean, one of the things that I encourage my clients to do when they're starting uh, outbound Uh, new business campaign for the first time is pick four industries that you'd like to work with and let's target one each quarter for a year and don't try and do any more but equally don't settle for less and don't settle for less niche than choosing four specific industries per year because otherwise you become a generalist and you can't a b test what's working in terms of who you're reaching out to and I typically find that bigger agencies really struggle with that sense Mm. of we can double down on a particular area, see whether it's for us. Um, they're generally more, uh, again, I don't need to find some uh, some synonyms for the word stubborn, but uh, they might you know, be ingrained in that sense of, no, we could do this for anybody. But the difficult thing, as you know about, um, I'm sure about being, uh, trying to be everything to everyone is that you risk not meaning much to anyone uh and and yeah that's one of the challenges that I see with those bigger agencies too um yeah I would say positioning from that standpoint positioning um up to four verticals is probably like the absolute max yeah yeah and and just to be um like really clear about that that's for companies who've not done anything before they really don't have any indication so they might be a couple of years in business they don't have any indication about any clear data to back up Mm. who might be the right audience for them at that point and I'm really encouraging them to test the water rather than mean very little to anybody um I think you know and it it kind of stems from that in terms of positioning as well um what I find is when uh smaller agencies emerge they tend to have positioning statement strap line like just the mission statement that sits above the fold on the homepage, the website, everyone to call it, they, that's quite, um, how do I say, maybe verbose or not completely articulate mm-hmm. um, about what they're, what they stand for and, and who they deliver that to. And actually, you know, a nice way of doing it is what is the ambition of the client that they serve rather than what they do and for who. That's right. um, but smaller agencies, I find, it's easier for them to to narrow that down when they're really pressed. They realize that what they're saying is quite fluffy and that it's challenging for the prospect to interpret that that means they're the right agency for them. Whereas bigger agencies are less willing to be challenged on that and actually risk driving prospects away because they don't understand that the right fit for them. I mean, it's as simple as that. Saying, yeah. for example, you're a creative agency when actually you're a brand design agency working in the FMCG 
space, like being really clear about that. So the prospect who may have never commissioned an agency before, so you've got to understand they might not be up in the terminology. It's all very subjective and can be um, interpreted different ways, especially across different geographies. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that's that's another uh, big advantage that smaller agencies have. Yeah, yeah. And along those lines, um, talking about how that translates into new business, because it mm-hmm. is like the number one thing of, of how new business is developed. And it's sort of the make or break in my mind for new business. So specifically around, um, and I know new business is, is your forte, um, specifically around this idea of establishing really um, strong boundaries uh, especially from the point of a discovery call, for example. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So I th- one of the challenges that I think smaller agencies have uh, when compared to bigger agencies is confidence on initial calls with clients because at that stage, a lot of people have a very bare pipeline in terms of new business. They could be quite afraid to turn away any prospective clients. They are at risk of trying to be everything to everyone when somebody calls then it's not typically what they would do then they're trying to shoehorn their process in rather than you know actually be the right fit for them so so yeah I think it's so important to set those boundaries on those initial calls I think you know one of the things that I see as being really useful is having some kind of backup script uh maybe not script is the right word backup prompts of things that you may not have covered on the call and making sure you encompass everything on that call because really I aim for the initial discovery uh conversation to be around 30 minutes maximum and during that time you need to be able to elicit the complete scope of the the brief um the commercial challenge that the client is facing um above all else and and also their budget, you know, really, really pushing until we establish, even if it's not a figure, but just a, a sign of comfort or discomfort with a particular number. So important. Otherwise, any time wasted after that point of pulling together a proposal. And, you know, I'm sure the listeners can identify that pulling together proposal on a case by case basis, really difficult, particularly when we're trying not to um, exchange our time for money directly. And we're trying to price based on value rather than um, hours spent. Um, So it's it's so important to be really strong during that call and also tell people that you're not for them, that, you know, you offer them an alternative. Don't be afraid to say, I'm afraid that's just not the way we work or, or perhaps outline exactly how you work and say, does that tally with what you were expecting? Does that sound like what you want? Because we understand that it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially with, startups and scale-ups in particular uh where they're bootstrapping and they're super keen in terms of how they're spending their money um that's yeah hugely important uh and then that kind of i want to divert off into the subject of return on investment and proving effectiveness but that's an entirely different topic (laughs) also of great value during those calls in order to yeah to get the most out of those discovery calls right well we will talk about that in in a second because <laughs> um, I think that's important too, especially because we're talking about creative services, um, and it's it's part of a, a it could be a part of a difficult conversation, right? Let's face it, agency life looks very different than ever before. Remote and hybrid teams need better tools to help them communicate and access files, track their time, manage client budgets, and more. If you believe that it's time to streamline things once and for all. Workamajig is the all-in-one agency management platform built to help you do just that. Head over to workamajig.com forward slash thrive to learn more. Back to the show. 
Um, but I just wanted to put a pin in something that you said. When we're talking about boundaries, right? I, I, this is just, I don't know why. I feel like it's really, really important. Um, when we're talking about confidence, right? Like selling your creative services with confidence. Boundaries mm-hmm. are one of the ways that it comes across that you are confident as the leader or rainmaker of your organization, right? Because the more that you say, um, no, we can't do this little interim project, this Band-Aid thing and and kind of um, uh, leapfrog our process or deliver something in three weeks when it typically takes us three months. Having those boundaries is really important because what it conveys is that you don't need the work, right? That you are not desperate. There's no, there's no sort of what I might call like an anxious attachment style around the business development. Um, it means that you're not going to acquiesce to all of their, their sort of unfounded um, questions or requirements, right? So once you establish that you are the one leading the process, you are the one with the expertise and guiding that client, the, I don't want to use the word power dynamic, but there is a power dynamic a little bit um, when it comes to client and agency relations, right? So obviously, I was just going to say the more that you get into the relationship, it becomes more collaborative. But from the onset, you do not want to be in a situation where they're demanding your process or or changing and modifying your process. And you're just like essentially acquiescing to every single demand. I want it for cheaper. I want it faster. You know, at that point, you don't have a sustainable business. Completely agree. Or an enjoyable business because, (laughs) because, you know, you're absolutely right. You're setting the framework from what they can expect uh, throughout working together. And, you know, nobody actually wants to work with a pushover. (laughs) And the reality is, like, even if they think they do from the outset when they want a cheaper price, what they want to that you know the best clients will want to be challenged creatively because they know that being challenged will take them further in their journey and you're always going to come across people who would prefer to bully or you know to lead and feel like they're the creative director even though they're needing they (laughs) acknowledge they need to employ one to actually get the work done and I think that not highlighting that literally but alluding to that in that discovery call in a very polite way uh, and acknowledging how you do and don't work absolutely sets the framework from what you can expect from the rest of the project Mm -hmm. and then you know it's not just about profitability which is obviously a huge thing in this area it's about how much you enjoy it and ultimately what is that relationship with the client because when you finish that initial project because we all know that organic new business is uh, so much cheaper to develop than cold new business. And so you really want to be going into every project, hoping that you're going to be working with that client on a long-term basis. Um, And at the very least, being able to uh, get a nice testimonial out of them and some results further down the line, you know, maintaining the relationship to the point where you feel like, yeah, they're confident and comfortable giving you that because they're proud of what you did for them. So I think it's hugely important. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I love this this uh, sort of mantra that you have that like the client engagement doesn't end when you send the final artwork. <laughs> yeah, right? it's it's great because it's true. Even if it's just project based, right? And it's you're not on a retainer with them. Um, following up, making sure that you know they have everything that they need. If they're finding new applications that have arisen uh, that they need additional work for, or getting that testimonial. Um, whatever the case may be, that kind of like land and expand, 
obviously it is uh, the lowest cost per acquisition for mm-hmm. new business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but let's dive back into that ROI conversation for a second as we wrap up, because I think that is a potentially difficult conversation for a lot of folks who are trying to develop new business. And on the other end, if the client is asking, let's say specifically for um Uh, creative services that don't necessarily tie to a specific attribution campaign, right? Like, so a brand identity or something along those lines where there isn't necessarily a quote unquote return on investment that can be measured easily. How do you approach conversations like that? Oh man, those are the ones that I absolutely relish. I love finding. You're in the minority. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. And it's been my blessing in business. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I, I, I love it because it's a bit like a, um, it's like a treasure hunt trying to find evidence because the reality is, and actually this doesn't scare me at all because when you're talking about, you know, uh, attributed uh, results, the, the majority of my clients work in uh, in brand design across packaging in particular for consumer project products. So, it, you know, it's, it's not the internet. It's not easy to measure. They, you know, generally they're not, trying to drive down advertising price on Facebook or whatever. So there's no instant gratification in that perspective. And then furthermore, a lot of their clients uh, don't, aren't even in the consumer product sector. So there might be something in more, even more tangible driving the commercial objective behind the brief. So it might be around uh, internal stakeholder engagement. I mean, there's no money, dollar signs, pound signs, whatever around that. So yeah, a real challenge. Um, but what I always encourage people to do is look at the original um, objectives, of the brief, and generally, you know, the client brief as a design agency, normally it's interpreted into our, our lingo, but the, the client brief will have some uh, real commercial objectives around it, whether they're easy to quantify or not. So I really encourage people at the end of a project to look back at what those original objectives are and just see whether any have been achieved literally by that project going to print so I had one circumstance where a client had been approached to do a project uh, for one of their prospects that wasn't the sexiest bit of design in the world but allowed this brand to move from independent retail into major multiples so into a big supermarket nationally and it was huge for that brand and by virtue of them actually doing the design and sending it to print they that brand had been listed in in that um in that particular national supermarket. And so the agency came to me and was like, we don't have any results. Firstly, we don't want to talk about this project. It's not the kind of project we want to win. I was like, okay, but why did you win the project? Uh, why did you want the project? And said, because, you know, this was the window, this was the door of opportunity into a much bigger um, relationship with this client. And so we wanted to explore it. And I was like, okay, do you not think that situation that they came to you in is the situation that multiple clients will come to you? You know, prospective clients will come to you in that situation. And they said, yes. Um, it has happened several times. And I was like, okay, well, you really need to explain that that is, you know, one of the ways you work and also acknowledge that that's a huge result. You've got yeah. them into uh, a national chain. And so even before any sales had been measured, they had a result they could put on the website. Mm-hmm. And I would say in a lot of situations, if you look at those commercial objectives, you'll find you've achieved at least one of them at the time it goes to print or hits live or whatever it might be. Right. And that's actually probably a great talking point when you go to follow up with them, um, you know, just just as a segue to um, after the project has been complete, if it is project based, looking back at those objectives from the original brief, that's a great, great point to be able to start Mm -hmm. that conversation to say, okay, now we've done this. And obviously, 
you were happy with it. Those things have been reached. Now, what else can we potentially do together? And I really encourage clients who completely agree. There's so, there's so many things. It's an ever-growing list of things that you can do post-project mm-hmm. with a client to enable that relationship to move forward. Uh, but one of the biggest things is, you know, I always encourage people to position things through the client's lens and in a generous style. So one of the things you can do is book in quarterly brand planning sessions with that client where you allow them to vent, you know, what are what projects aren't they allowed to do internally? What do they want to get into? Um their brand planning next in the forthcoming year and are struggling to do that. Allow them a safe space where they can they can talk through it. Um, they can maybe you can help them to understand how things are more feasible, more realistic financially, or uh, or you know in terms of the mechanics of getting something done. Plus, you've got heads up on what projects might be on the horizon in mm-hmm. the next quarter or half year. And and actually, the I tend to find that the 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 client uh, side, the brand side client, really enjoys it because actually they've got an external ear uh, to kind of chat through stuff. Sometimes it's a good bitch <laughs> uh, about how things are internally, or sometimes it's just, it, they just need to say things out loud that are in their head. So you've got to remember sometimes those generally marketing director, marketing manager is the role that we're dealing with as uh, prospects of my clients. And, you know, it can be quite a lonely job. It can be quite a small For team sure. and, um, and a lot of KPIs around, you know, how they're performing. So it's, right. it's helpful to have your brand guardian be a supportive ear. Absolutely. And I actually love the idea of calling them or branding them as vent sessions or like safety <laughs> yeah. sessions, something like that. Whoever's listening, go ahead. You can, you can take <laughs> that and brand it. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for being on the show today. This is a great conversation. I know everyone's going to get a ton out of it. So thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.